Are you in search of a closer relationship with Jesus Christ and a better understanding of the basic truths of Christian faith? If so, please join us for Simple Secrets of the Kingdom, a series of Bible studies developed by Reverend James Otterness and taught by Skip Hedgepeth, board member of Good News Ministries and Bible teacher at Christ Church in Midland, Texas. Hi, I'm Skip Hedgepeth. Welcome to Simple Secrets of the Kingdom. In our last study, we talked about God's first creation, and we began in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning. And there were several really important things that we learned last week, and one of them was that uh, people learn basically two ways. We learn by having something revealed to us, so through revelation, and then we also learn through discovery, and that's when we find something out for ourselves. And, and what we learned last week was that uh, God revealed to Moses well over 3,000 years ago uh, the story of creation in Genesis. And God uh, told Moses that uh, the, the universe began with a big flash of light. And God said, let there be light. And the earth came into existence. And through that event of creation, all of what we see around us came into existence. And then after the event of creation, then uh, God set the process in mo motion. And we, you remember we learned that uh, there were six days of creation, and on each day of creation, uh, God created something different. And it began with create, creating the earth, and then after that came vegetation, and then uh, the sun, the moon, and the stars came into existence. After that, God brought about the sea life, and then bird life, then animal life, and then human life. And all of this uh, we learn because it was revealed to Moses. Now, what we also learned last week is that this process of discovery is when uh, is another way that we learn, and discovery is when we investigate something and find it out for ourselves. And so we talked about science and how through science, men like Einstein and Charles Darwin had, through their own discovery, found out, uh, Einstein, for example, found out that creation came about through a big bang and, and that out of the light of creation came mass. And, he just, and remember, we talked about that theory of relativity of Einstein's where he says that light can be changed into mass at the square of the speed of light. And so uh, what Einstein discovered on his own through science is basically the same thing that was revealed to Moses. And so the discovery in science actually substantiates what God showed to be true in the Scripture. And then uh, we also saw that uh, Charles Darwin later discovered in his Origin of the Species that uh, the basic order of creation that is revealed through science, through the fossil records, if you dig down through the Earth's core, you would find the, the same order of creation that was revealed to Moses uh, in the Scripture. And so... Uh, science, again, substantiates that the process of creation, uh, which is discovered in science, is the same thing that was revealed to Moses. And so there's this, uh, this, this wonderful confidence that you can gain. You know, we have the confidence that comes through faith that the Scripture is real, but we even have more confidence knowing that the Scripture has stood up uh, under the test and the microscope of science for over 3,000 years, and uh, 
what was revealed by God is also substantiated in the discoveries of science. And that's good news for all of us about the truth of the Scripture. And uh, so we learned about God creates through an event and through a process in, in creation. Then he also does the same thing in our lives. Uh, at the moment of our salvation, whether we're old or young, there's an event and we're changed into a new creation. And then God continues the process from that point forward so that our behavior doesn't change overnight. But through the process of drawing near to God, uh, God works in our heart to change us into the people that he wants us to be. And, uh, and then we learned that uh, when God created human beings, God created people, or man, as the scripture says, uh, God created man, unlike all the rest of creation, man was created in his image. So let's look at the scripture right now, and, uh, and we will see what God has to say about this whole concept of, of us being made in the image of God. Before we do, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you, and we thank you again for the wonderful power of your word, for the way, Lord, it works in our lives, and for the way you speak to us through it. Lord, thank you that we can have the confidence of the truth of the scripture, because it becomes the foundation for our daily living. And uh, Lord, as we open it up again today, pray you bless us through your scripture and draw us into the truth, because your word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1, and just one verse right now. Genesis 1, verse 27, and I'll read. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So, when God created human beings, after all of the things God, uh, all of the creatures God created, only... The, only the creation of man, after it did God say that man, man and female, man and woman rather, were made in the image of God. And so what does this whole concept of being made in the image of God be, mean? Well, first of all, we learn in John chapter 4, Jesus said that God is spirit. And he goes on to say, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And so God is spirit. So being made in the image of God means that we're not only created with a body that we can feel, but we're also created with a spirit like God. And if we're made in God's image, God is eternal, that means that we are also created with an eternal spirit. And so, uh, so whether you're a believer in Jesus or not a believer in Jesus, you have a spirit because you're made in the image of God. And your spirit is going to live on even after you die because God created you in his image. Now, where you live after you die is another matter entirely. But, uh, and we're going to talk about that more as the studies go on. But, uh, but being made in the image of God means that we are creatures that are made with a body and a spirit, and our spirit is eternal. And because... We're made in the image of God. That means that above every uh, part of God's creation, we have, we have incredible value to God. We have value because we're made in His image. We have dignity because we're made in the image of God. And we have great worth because to God because we're made in His image. God created 
human beings, people, so that God could have fellowship with us. And so that being made in the image of God is really the foundation of who we are as part of God's creation. Uh, just a week or so ago, I was visiting with a person, and this person had gone through a hard time in their lives. They had been through a divorce, had lived with an, an abusive spouse. Uh, they had moved recently, and uh, their job had changed. Everything about their lives on this earth had basically been in chaos or turmoil for a period of time. And what they said to me when I was talking to them is, um, I don't really even know who I am anymore. And so I listened for a while and I said, you know, back when you said, I don't know who I am anymore. I, and I asked the question, I said, aren't you a Christian? And they said, uh, well, yeah, I am. And I said, well, that's great because if you're a Christian, then I know who you are. And uh, they said, what do you mean? And I said, well, well, you see, if you're a Christian, your identity is wrapped up in God the Father so that you are made in His image, you see. That means that you have great value. You have great dignity. You have great worth because you're made in the image of God. And as a Christian, you're a child of God because God says, if, if any of you believe in me, you receive the power to become children of God. So as a child of God, uh, you're adopted into the family of God. So God is your father, you see. That's who you are, a child of God. So if you're looking to find yourself, don't look in all the places outside of yourself in creation. Look to who you are as a child of God made in the image of God. That's who you are. And if, um, and if you find your identity grounded as a child of God made in His image, then all the things that are around you on the outside, like work and marriage and relationships and your children, all those things can change in your life. But who you are as a child of God will never change because the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his love for you and his value for you as a creature made in his image never will change. And so find your identity as a child of God, you see, made in the image of God. That's where you'll find your value. And, uh, and so that's the message for you too today. Uh, where do you look for, to, where do you look to find your worth and your value as a human being? Uh, look to the Lord to find your value. And then you'll have an identity that's stable and won't be affected by the things that change in your life from day to day. Now, remember I said we are body and spirit beings. And, uh, and so there are really two major parts to us as, as God's, uh, part of God's creation. We have a body and we have a spirit. And sometimes people get in trouble uh, because they only see us as one or the other in the extreme. They only see us as only a creature uh, uh, that's a physical being. Or then on the other hand, they see, that they see us as only a creature, part of God's creation, that is a spiritual being and that the physical doesn't really matter. So we're going to look at 
at what happens uh, or what can happen when people see themselves in one of these extremes or the other. And so, uh, first of all, we want to look at people who see themselves as only a, only a spiritual being. And these people uh, see the physical realm really without that much value at all. Uh, and so, uh, they, they have a tendency not to care about their physical being. Uh, they, uh, you know, God, God tells us in the scripture that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, God has given us this body, this temple, to take care of and to be good stewards of. And those who don't really see the value in the physical will, will not put any value into taking care of themselves on this earth. And, um, and then uh, also those people uh, sometimes who only see uh, uh, value as a spiritual side, then they will, uh, they'll only see the value in creation as it relates to the next life so that they don't really care about what happens on this earth. They spend all of their life only spoke, focused on spiritual things. So uh, I went through a period like this in my own life after I became a Christian. I was, um, I was really focused on studying the Word of God. And all I wanted to do was read the Bible. And I carried a little pocket uh, testament around with me. And whenever I had a break, or even sometimes when I didn't have a break at my work, I would sit down and be reading the Bible, and at home I read the Bible and just had a real hunger for the Word of God. And after a time passed, actually it was my brother who said to me one day, Skip, don't you think that there's more to this whole Christian thing than you just sitting around reading the Bible all the time? And, you know, at first I was offended by that, but he got my attention and made me think that, Sure, there is more than just sitting around being spiritual all the time to, uh, to this Christian life because there are people out in the world who are hungry and who are thirsty and who are in need to also hear the message. And so the Christian life is not just about me secreting myself away somewhere with the Scripture and being spiritual. It's also about me and you stepping out with our faith and caring about people, and caring about God's creation, and loving people, and being good stewards of God's creation. And, uh, and so, there's a, uh, what happens on this earth also matters. We don't ever want to get to a point to where we're like what I heard Pastor J. Vernon McGee say on his radio program one day. Some people get so spiritual-minded, or so heavenly-minded, that they're no earthly good. And, uh, and so, we don't want to do that. We also want to uh, love the Lord, of course, and read the Scripture, but then also care about people and about creation. And some people who see us as only spiritual beings also believe that anything that brings pleasure to us physically uh, is to be avoided. So that if they're having a good time somehow in this earth and they're enjoying the beauty of God's creation or they're having a great meal, or they're having a glass of wine, or something like that, that uh, if it's bringing them some kind of physical pleasure, then that they believe that since they're only a really spiritual being, that they should feel guilty about it somehow. And uh, uh, I've gone through that myself in my life. I remember after I became a Christian, 
I thought that I had a great record collection because I, I play music and, and uh, after I became a Christian, I, I believed I had to get rid of all that music because, uh, because if it was not all spiritual music, that somehow it was bad for me to enjoy it. And uh, I, uh, looking back on it, I wish I still had those, those albums that I threw in the dumpster that day. But, uh, but God works all things together for the good of those who love Him. And uh, it's great to enjoy music. Now, there's some music that, uh, that have lyrics that I think are, that can be offensive to God. That's a whole other issue. But to just enjoy good music and enjoy a good meal and uh, enjoy the physical pleasures of this life within the boundaries of the Scripture is wonderful. God created this earth for us to enjoy. Now, on the other hand, some people think that only being a, a physical being is what matters, and that there's really not a, a spiritual component to us. And these people believe that there's really no need for God in their lives, that what happens here on this earth and in this body is really all that matters. And so, uh, so we might as well just uh, eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we're going to die. And so they live this life looking for more and more physical pleasures and many times in the extreme. And, um, and you, you've seen this a lot and I've seen it a lot in my life through like uh, rock stars who have, who have lived out in this physical world and seeking the physical pleasures to the extreme. And I know you know some of the names that I'm talking about back from my generation, people like Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin, people like Jim Morrison, who, uh, who really saw the need for physical pleasure as all that really matters in this life. And uh, they came to a tragic end. A lot of times people who uh, also believe that the, that, the, uh, that the physical being is all that matters, they don't believe in God because they don't believe in a spiritual realm. Therefore, they have no hope for life after death. And to, to me, these people are really sad because, uh, because when they lose someone that they love, then they have no hope for the future. There's no hope of seeing their loved ones again in the resurrection. For those people who don't believe in God, to them, when they die, all they're seeing is a black curtain come over them. And it's lights out and the show is over. And to me... Uh, that's a hopeless way to look toward the future. And again, if this life only is all you have to look forward to, then, then usually what happens as a result of that is people look to fill their lives with very extreme physical pleasure because who knows when they could die. And then uh, this kind of behavior Really, if you don't believe in anything spiritual, anything in the afterlife or in God, then this kind of belief, which is a belief system in itself, uh, this kind of belief means that uh, it means that uh, this life is all there is, and it leads to a real kind of narcissism. Now, uh, again, people throughout history, there have been different times in our history when when, uh, when 
this belief that we are only physical beings has led to extreme problems in society. And we've seen that back in World War II with Adolf Hitler. Uh, he saw people's value not as a spiritual kind of value made in the image of God, but he really believed that people's value was only in this life. And that uh, so he ordered people in society and he had the Aryan people, which were the people that were of great worth. Anyone else was really not worth anything at all. He didn't see their value as children of God. And so he had many precious lives destroyed, people who were truly made in the image of God. We saw this with the French in, back in the, in the French Revolution days. They classified themselves as the ones with worth were the blue bloods and those without worth were the peasants. And then the peasants eventually uh, stood up and revolted in the French Revolution. In our own area of the world, for many, many years, we had people valued according to the color of their skin. And, uh, and thank God that that's changed and is still changing today. Uh, the Greeks in the old, uh, in, uh, in back in, in ancient times, valued people according to their intelligence. And then back in the 60s during the sexual revolution, we had people who were valuing themselves uh, according to their beauty of their physical bodies. So those who were beautiful were uh, highly valued. Those who weren't so much were not valued. And then sometimes we... Uh, uh, we value people according to uh, how much money they make. You see that in capitalism. Those who have the great uh, net worth are valued higher. Those who don't are not as much. And, and, uh, and then, but the truth is, God made us a, a, a body spirit being. And what, where you see that connection, the whole person is so important is in personal relationships. And so, you see this especially in a relationship with a man and a woman. And in courtship, you see it played out in the sense that early on in a courtship, it's the spiritual relationship that really needs to take precedence. And when it does, relationships are a beautiful thing. And so people learn to listen first, and then they learn to talk to one another. And then once you have that spiritual connection as a foundation, then a relationship grows to become more physical in courtship. To, to kissing and to touching. And all of that's okay with God within boundaries because we're a body, spirit, being, and we experience that in our relationships. And then in marriage, you see that even uh, to the next level where you have the most intimate, uh, intimate kind of experience a husband and wife can have is in prayer where you are together physically but joined together spiritually before God. And uh, that's an intimacy that's like no other, that kind of spiritual intimacy that comes through prayer. But then also in relationships, you have that wonderful intimacy that can come through sexual intercourse between a husband and a wife. And when it happens with that spiritual foundation of two people loving one another and caring for one another in the image of God, then it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. Uh, and, and then it grows to more and more fulfillment to where a husband and wife eventually, by the grace of God, can have children and have their physical and their uh, spiritual relationship manifest in that way, where they can share children with one another. You know, all of this is so important because we are a body and spirit being, 
and God wants us to experience our, our spiritual nature and our physical nature together in a relationship between a husband and a wife and also in our courting. And, uh, and when you do that within the boundaries of the Word of God, then you'll have a wonderful experience in an interpersonal relationship between husband and wife or a man and, man and a woman. And then I want to get a little bit more now and go on and read uh, in Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read in 28 and read about God's mandate to us now that he's made us body and spirit, spirit beating, beings. What does he want us to do? And so Genesis 1 verse 28 through 31. And God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw that everything, and God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, a sixth day. And so the first mandate that God has given us is to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, you had just a few people. You had Adam, really, first of all, and then Eve, and then from there, creation has been increasing exponentially through today. And you see it. Today, uh, I read recently that there's somewhere around 6.7 uh, billion people in the world, and that's of July of 2007, 6.7 billion people from one person. So we've been carrying out the biblical mandate to be fruitful and multiply. And there are things that happen within creation that uh, control the population. And some of them happen naturally, like food shortages and famines and drought that, uh, that happen and, and, uh, and people die. And it's so tragic. You see this in, in the news and earthquakes and tsunamis and all these horrible things that happen. But those things happen. And as a result of it, uh, the population gets controlled. And as sad as that is, it's true. We see it also in war, which we hear so much about in the news these days. Uh, we also see population being controlled through birth control. And some people believe that birth control is only, uh, is only right if it's, if it's natural birth control. Other people believe in medical birth control. Uh, generally, though, uh, as a rule in, in the body of Christ, it's generally accepted that birth control is fine as long as it happens before creation before uh, there's a, a, a life that God creates. And so then we also see also very tragically that uh, population gets controlled in some very harmful ways, like through abortion and also through euthanasia. Neither one of those which are acceptable to God because if life is, is made in the image of God and created in the image of God, then stopping a life means stopping a, a, a creation that God has given great value and dignity and worth to. 
And so this is a very troubling uh, truth of the scripture for a lot of people. And so I would say to you today, if you're out there and you're considering an abortion, I pray, I pray that you will pray about it and consider other options. Sometimes things can look so hopeless to people and believe that there are no options. But uh, take your cares and your anxiety to the Lord. The Lord is the Lord of what can seem to us as lost causes. And there are people out there who love to have a new baby. And there are, there are ways that the Lord can intervene for you. And if you're out there and you have already had that abortion, then I pray that uh, you will go to the Lord also and ask for forgiveness. 